0: At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, I take you to Kargil, the line of control, and to one of the most unique museums you would ever see in a village abandoned for the last 30 years. What's your name?
1: My name is Bakar.
0: Bhakar. Bakar Bhakar, Ji, so are you living here? I live
1: here in this village, I live so here in Ndurman. Ndurman Brook's name is this village. Okay, so okay. I live here. आप यहीं पैदा हुए थे हम यहीं पैदा हुए थे सर अच्छा और आपके बाप दादा सब यहीं से हैं मेरा सब बाप दादा सारा से है ना अच्छा, तो
0: 1999
1: में आप यहीं पे थे? में हम पे थे, इस इसी गांव में थे तो इससे पहले जो जब 71 का उससे पहले जो संथाल से पाकिस्तान के अंदर में a place that generations
0: of your family called home changes hands overnight. All your life, you lived in Pakistan, and then suddenly, in a matter of a few hours, you were living in India. This is the story of Hundarman, the last village along the line of control in Kashmir, and its museum of memories. About 12 kilometers from Kargil, the historic town which gave name to the 1999 war between India and Pakistan, lies the village of Hundarman we chartered a rickety Maruti Omni with a young, stylish-looking driver, Mohammed Deen, to take us to the village. The drive up to Hundarman is not for the faint-hearted, for it's a dirt track with a steep thousand-foot drop on one side. If you have driven along Himalayan roads, you know how close you drive to the edge sometimes and how painfully slow progress can be. It took us almost 45 minutes to get to a vantage point just before Hundarman, where, with the aid of powerful binoculars, We could see a place which we had all read about only in newspapers. The Line of Control, or LOC. I'll admit that seeing LOC was a surreal feeling. The binoculars allowed us to see the bunker positions of Indian and Pakistani soldiers, with one of our bunkers being so high up in the mountains that they appeared as tiny white dots to the naked eye. It felt absurd to be able to spot a Pakistani soldier just going about his day in Pakistan-occupied Kashmir. The person manning the binoculars informed us that just like us, the Pakistanis keep an eye on India, sitting atop a dargah in POK. And for some strange reason, I expected LOC to be an actual line which divided Kashmir. But all one could see was one mountain, indistinguishable from the other. And the river Sarayu flowing between the two paths without a check dam, just like it had for thousands of years. To the naked and the uninformed eye, the two were indistinguishable. But
1: things were very different for Hundarman and Mohamad Pakar. After that, when we fought in the 71st century, we captured India. So, we stayed the middle of this. When Pakistan went there, we stayed in So, Pakistan? Pakistan, My is there, and so, do you have
0: permission
1: to get to get have permission to haven't tried to permission to get this. Okay. I'm for the reason why As Chained Hands post the Indo-Pak War of
0: 1971, Muhammad Bakar saw his family being separated by the border. The letters they send sometimes Take weeks to deliver, even though the distance is only a few kilometers. And sometimes, the letters don't even reach. But his experience is unique by no means. Our young stylish driver, Mohameddin, too had a similar story. Before the war, his grandfather would often buy goods in Kargil and sell them off to nearby villages. It was the life of a trader in a small town. Until the war hit home. His grandfather was in now what is now P.O.K., but along with him was also his maternal uncle, who was well into his golden years. The grandfather, then a young lad, managed to return to Kargil. But the old maternal uncle could not make it. I do not have the emotional courage to even imagine having to make a decision to leave your loved ones behind, not knowing what will become of them. To this day, Din and his family don't know the fate of the uncle. As for Muhammad Bakr. The 1971 war impacted Hundarman, and about ten years later, the entire village moved out to an even higher altitude to create a new settlement. But things came to a head again in
1: 1999. 1999, hmm. we me, abhi yahan hi pthe. 1999, me ham yahan hi pthe. Jo 1999 ke jo baawal hua, us time me ham yahan hi pthe. Us time me hamara saara jo padhai the, wo saara ab bekar hoga ja. And
0: this <laughs> went on to talk about those two months when the war was at its peak in 1999. The village is located at the bottom of two mountains, and at the time, one mountain each was in control of India and Pakistan. Both sides shelled each other non-stop and caught in this crossfire with the villagers. He pointed towards one of the mountain slopes which was completely covered in mountain rubble, and he said that if you remove the rubble, there's a network of rooms where the entire village took shelter for two months. Ever since the village changed hands, Mohammed Bakar has been working with the Indian Army, hauling supplies for soldiers who have been stationed at bunkers. In those two months, he would step out in the middle of the night and carry out his duties, putting himself at risk of being killed. In the narratives of historic wars, as we document key events and turning points, what lies forgotten is the contribution of the local people. Have you ever imagined the time in 1999 when suddenly thousands of soldiers must have been rushed to the border, how did they have access to resources to survive the harsh climate at LOC? The region barely had motorable roads then, and even today, bulk of it can only be covered by mules or on foot. It's the people from the households of Kargil that stepped up and backed our army. And it was a realization that dawned upon me. You cannot win a war without the support of the locals. In the punishing mountainous terrain of LOC, Muhammad Bakar is not an outlier. He is the norm. The original village continues to be abandoned, except that you would still see people in it. Not locals, but tourists. The village has been converted into one of the most unique museums I've had the privilege of seeing the Hundarman Museum of
1: Memories. The museum when my, my brother, and रुचला था हां है ना हां जी हां जी आ, उन्हों, उन्होंने कुछ हमें सजेशन बताया उन फिर उसने हमें सारा चीजें हमें उन्होंने सेटल करके दे दिया उन्होंने जब वहां से अहमदाबाद से कुछ सेफटी यूनिवर्सिटी से वहां से कुछ लड़कियां सारे इलाके 10 15 20 तक था शायद उन्होंने इसे को पूरा 10 दिन में सेटल करके पूरा ये सत्यार
0: हां are objects of everyday life of the people who fled the village. On display, you would find containers of cherry blossom shoe polish and blades and razors from brands which no longer exist. One finds currency notes from the pre-independence era, cooking utensils made of mud, and the remnants of war, bullet casings and mortar shells. From more peaceful times, you would find a local version of the game of checkers played with the nails of goats and sheep as coins. But nothing prepares you for that one exhibit that is tucked in the corner of one of the galleries. Photographs and documents left behind by the fleeing locals. They are written up in Urdu, and one can only imagine the hurry in which the people must have left, not even having the time to pick up their identification. I remember standing there numbly, looking at them, wondering what eventually became of those people. And like us city dwellers,
1: the people in the villages and
0: mountains have very strong bonds with their lands and their communities, For it forms their strongest identity. Living Hundarman was not only a material loss, but also a spiritual one. Maybe that is why, along with his responsibilities with the Indian Army, Muhammad Bakar is the proud guide of the Hundarman Museum. It's not a job, it's a never-ending fight to regain a sense of control, to retain a sense of belonging to a place he once called home. In the annals of the subcontinent, Hundarman may be a footnote, but to a few, it's a personal history, and why we travel 42 on Instagram